So, uh, so we in our Trees and Gardens series are going to explore the image of the vineyard in the Bible today. How many of you know a little something? Put up your hand if you think you know a little bit something about vineyards. All right, put your hand down if what you know about vineyards is the wine that comes out of it. All right, now raise your hand if you've been to a vineyard this summer. We're in a great area to, to go visit a vineyard. Anybody, hands up for, for visiting a vineyard this summer? All right, and then hands down if you didn't get past the tasting area and into the vines, right? I have a, uh, I have a bit of a confession to make this morning. When, uh, when crafting this sermon series about trees and gardens and thinking like vineyards is one of the great images in the, in the Bible and realizing it was going to be the third week, I, uh, I may have just designed it with the idea of spending a couple days in a vineyard, you know, exploring what they do in a vineyard and the fruit that comes of it and what they do with the fruit that comes of it. But, uh, you know, as, as great as that plan was, and while I did get away for vacation this summer, the chaos of life meant that there weren't two days in the last couple of weeks to, to just spend time wandering through a vineyard, right? And I thought about that. I, the truth is, I really did think I would go to a vineyard for a day and, and explore, and it, it just didn't happen these last two weeks. I think about that, and I think, maybe that experience of the chaos of life makes it even more relevant to talk about the vineyard today. Would you, uh, would you pray with me? Let's pray. Lord, may these words and thoughts... May they all just be delivered to your glory. And Lord, in these, in these moments, whether we are here or gathering online or listening to this message later this week, may, may our hearts be filled to overflowing right now with your love. And Lord, empower us, equip us to go forth as a light to your world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Chaos. See, you might have thought it was just a series of mistakes this morning with the video and, and the pauses, but I'm preaching about chaos, so obviously we planned all that, right? <laughs> Anybody feel like your life is a little bit chaotic right now? Anybody experience chaos at some point in your, in your life? Right? School is starting. Lots of our parents are probably thinking that life is crazy chaotic right now. Maybe, maybe you're caring for a parent, which has led to another whole aspect of chaos in your life. Maybe your job feels out of control. Maybe the list of things that you need to do at your house to get it back up to where it needs to be is, is out of control. Maybe, maybe you can't do the things that you once did, and it's just, it just makes life feel more more chaotic for you. Like our lives today, they, they can be really chaotic. And it's interesting to think, like just think about the changes in the world in the last 25 years. Just think about the changes in your own lives in the last 25 years. Right, in 25 years we've seen this shift. People who, who used to work for one company their entire lives, like that is become extraordinarily rare today. People change jobs on the average, I think, now like four or five times, and that's the average. And probably you know people, I know people who've changed jobs four or five times in the last eight to ten years because of economic climate, right? 
In the last 25 years, we've seen a, this sense of migration of people just continues to grow. And it used to be that, that a family, like my mom and dad, essentially spent their, their whole lives in, in one town. But now, lots of times, people move multiple times, both in houses in the community that they're in, and then will move again to be close to family or, or grandkids. Uh, is another example, not that long ago, um, I asked our, our confirmation class at the time, I don't remember what we were talking about, but I, something about God in your life, and I said, tell me about your dinner routines. And they looked at me like I was 100 years old. Like, dinner routine? Like, we should have a dinner routine? And then, then they told me, by the way, no offense to those of you who are 100 years old, um, family dinner's a good thing. But they looked at me and, and they, they said, and I knew this, but they're like, you know, with soccer and, and homework and school activities and events, we don't really have a routine. Sometimes we just make it all to dinner at the same time, but there's no, no routine in our lives. And, and, and think about this, like cell phones have made us available to everybody 24 hours a day, every day of the week, all times. The internet and, and instant messaging means that um, conversations which used to take place like over one-on-one, -on -one, over the phone, or even over time, they all take place now with multiple people all instant messaging at the same time. I think about this too with, with kids, right? Uh, for youth, this means that you can break up with one girlfriend, make sure her friends know you aren't a bad guy, and ask out another person all in the span of two to three minutes. Like, that took me writing notes for days to get all that done. And while, while all of this, all of these things, I, I don't know that they're good or bad in themselves, but what's fascinating today is how people report feeling less connected and less happy. Right? All of these new tools in our lives, all of these changes, and, and study after study and survey after survey shows that we are less connected and less happy than we've been in, at really any time, particularly the happiness indicators. We're, we're less happy and less connected at any time since, since World War II in our country. Right? All these tools, and we, we somehow feel less connected and the pandemic hasn't helped that. Life, so often, it, it just it goes back to chaos. It's, it's that we just feel like the chaos of our life overwhelms us and leaves us feeling disconnected. So if you're feeling a bit of, of chaos in your life, or you have, or you want to be ready the next time that chaos pops up in, in your life, or if you're feeling disconnected today, Know that you're not alone. There are others here who are feeling the same way. Or if you know somebody is feeling disconnected, I, I just want to invite you, let's go for a walk in a vineyard. Let's go for a virtual walk in the, in the vineyard today. You don't need to bring anything, just your imagination. We're just going to go for a, a walk in this vineyard. We're going to look around and we're going to let Jesus be our guide. We're going we're gonna to hear Jesus speak as we, as we walk through this vineyard today. Chapter 15 of, of John's Gospel, this is, what, this is what Jesus says. I am the true vine. My Father is the vineyard keeper. He removes any of my branches that don't produce fruit, and he trims any branch that produces fruit so that it will produce even more fruit. 
You are already trimmed because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. A branch can't produce fruit by itself, but must remain in the vine. Likewise, you can't produce fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, then you will produce much fruit. Without me, you can't do anything. If you don't remain in me, you will be like a branch that is thrown out and and dries up. Those branches are gathered up, thrown into a fire and burned. With these words of Jesus, we step out into into the vineyard and if you only look at the vineyard from like the wine tasting area in the summertime, you, uh, all you see are these beautiful green rows, right? And if you get right at the right time of year, you'll see these beautiful green rows with, with grapes. But if you, if you wander out into the vines and you take a look underneath, like underneath the leaves and the fruit, you'll see something else. It's just this like this tangled mess of, of branches. From the outside, if you're just like looking at it, it just looks like this chaos of branches all wrapped around each other. But if you look even more closely, what you'll realize is this, this tangled mess that just runs all the way down through a vineyard. This tangled mess is all connected into one central vine that runs runs the length of the vineyard, all the way through it. Life, the, the very marrow of life, is found in staying connected to that center vine. Tangled and rooted. I once heard a pastor use that image in talking about vineyards. Tangled and, and rooted. Right, all, those, all those little branches, they're knobbly and they're, and they're weak and they're spindly. They're not beautiful by themselves. In fact, they're kind of ugly. And, and they can't hold themselves up. Just can't do it by themselves. Now, a branch, a branch can grow off that vine and, and grow away, but the further it grows from the vine, the, the weaker it becomes and the, and the less fruitful that it becomes. Instead, it all grows best if it's just tangled and rooted all, all together, holding on to each other for support and always anchored in that, in that vine, tangled and rooted. That's the image that Jesus gives to his followers. We who sometimes feel weak, feel like things are spinning out of control, we who sometimes aren't sure how we can hold ourselves up, Right? We see this, this tangled mess of our own lives, and yet it's this very tangled mess anchored in Christ's love that, that, that holds us together. Right? This, this group of branches all brought together, held together in this central root, it's this tangled mess that bears fruit. Jesus knew that people needed to feel connected. He was preparing his followers for a time when he wouldn't be with them in 
person in bodily form any longer. He was preparing them for a time when, when he would die and things would get incredibly chaotic. He was preparing them for a time after that when they would be persecuted and a time when they would be struggling to figure out what their identity was when he, when he wasn't right there among them in person. He was preparing them for a time that would test the bonds and the strength of their community. He knew that they would need each other, and so he chose this image to give to them in that conversation, tangled and, and rooted. They had a choice. You have a choice. You can go it alone. Dismiss the need for community. Avoid the, the messiness of community. By not getting into the tangles. Maybe check in when it's convenient, but, but, but not commit. Not get attached. Or, or, you can connect into that tangled mess. Connect to others. Commit to your faith and your faith commu- community and, and realize that while it won't always be pretty, the connection is what bears fruit. Love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness. Keeping this image in Jesus' words in mind and having taken a, a peek under the leaves, I mean, continue to scan the vineyard and, and we'll see that there are places that are really fruitful and then there are places where there's just not so much fruit on the, on the vines any longer. Right? Some of the, 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 the branches seem to be dying out. Some have a few leaves, but there just isn't much fruit on them. Because the reality is that for, for the branches to bear fruit, they have to be pruned. Uh, Cheryl and I, had a lilac bush in the very first house that we bought. It was the prettiest, the prettiest bush. It was really kind of a lilac tree. It was pretty tall. Um, it was the prettiest tree in our whole yard. It was a newer build. They had just planted some trees. And this, this lilac tree, it was gorgeous when we moved in uh, that first summer. And then the next summer, it wasn't as pretty as it was the year before. And then the summer after that, um, it was like it was dying out. There were hardly any blooms on it. And we figured something was wrong with it. We didn't know what it was. And um, so I went out that fall and, uh, and just hacked like all of the branches off because they, they weren't blooming at all. There were just a few leaves. I hacked all the branches off and we figured the next summer we would, uh, we'd pull it out and we'd put something else, we'd put something else in there. And then that next summer came along and, and maybe you can guess what happened. Um, it had shoots all over and a bunch of those shoots had pretty green leaves so it was all green again and then it produced some some gorgeous flowers again the summer after that it was back to itself it needed to be pruned to be beautiful again our culture teaches us that more is better right more more stuff, more activity, more achievement, more is, is better. We just keep going out there and get more and, and more and, and more. But with all of that 
more and more in our lives, studies don't show that that equates to any more happiness or any more joy or any more goodness. Right? We have a hard time letting go. We have a hard time simplifying. And sometimes it's so easy to justify hanging on. Well, you know, that thing, it's not bringing a, a lot of joy or, or goodness anymore, but there's still leaves on it and, and it, it still seems like a good thing. And so, so we, keep, we keep doing it. Or we keep going after that thing even though it's not adding any more joy. We keep thinking more money will help even though we're not finding what we thought we would find there. You see, the vine dresser, the vine dresser goes out into the, into the branches and prunes, not just to cut things off, prunes with love for his vineyard. The vine dresser goes out and, and cuts back everything, even some of the fruitful parts, because by, by pruning, the vine can bring even more life, even more fruit to what's left behind. This image Jesus gives, it shows us that be fruitful pruning is necessary. And if we're honest, like the fruitful part, we, we like that. We love the grapes and, and the wine. The pruning part, not so much. Pruning can be painful. Reminds us that we need God in our lives. See, that, that's what the pruning does. It reminds us that we need God in our lives and it, it shows us new places where we can grow. It, it focuses us on what matters. And the question becomes, are we willing to let God prune from our lives what is not bearing fruit? that can be hard. But the blessing can be incredible. One more note on our vineyard tour. You'll, you'll see in some places where new, new branches are grafted onto the vine with, with uh, often tape of some kind or, or string. Those of you with knowledge of viticulture... By the way, now that we're traveling through a vineyard, you should know viticulture is the, the study of growing wines or, or grapes. You can you know, have that for, for jeopardy when you're ready. Right? Those with a knowledge of viticulture would, would realize that there's something odd in Jesus' image that doesn't fit with how they think about Jesus. And the disciples, they would have likely known a little bit about, about vines and about grapes. Right, the image has God as the vine dresser. That part we get, right? God is the caretaker of, of the vineyard. God is our, our caretaker. We get that part. It's the next part that would strike somebody as strange because when you grow wine grapes, you take a really common stock root, the vine itself, one that is native to the area that will grow well. Um, and, uh, and then... Right? It's kind of a, it's a root that's common to that area. Um, 
and then you graft onto that root like special varieties, the branches of special varieties of grapes, the grapes that you want to, to make the best wine or the best tasting grapes. So the root stock is, is common, but the, the branches you can graft on, you can graft anything onto that root stock, and you, you graft on the special branches. Well, in, in Jesus' image, he flips upside down what the disciples and how actually we even today think about it. Well, well we're, we're the common and we need to graft the special Jesus onto our lives. But if you look, if you look at the image that Jesus gives, it flips that over. Right? What Jesus say, says here is, is really something radical if we think about it. Think about the ground that we walk on as the, as the kingdom of God. Right? The, the soil of the, of the vineyard. And this is the earth as God gave it. And then Jesus, he's anchored to this earth. He is, he is rooted hardy and resistant to the perils of, of climate and, and pests. And then we are grafted on to that vine, filled with life-giving sap so that we can produce fruit. You see, this is where it's radical. We are the special branches. We are the fruit-bearing ones. We're the ones upon who God's fruitfulness depends. You are a special branch grafted on for God's kingdom. The image of the vineyard invites us not to graft Jesus onto our lives, but to graft our lives onto Jesus. I want to make sure we don't miss this this morning. I think quite often we flip this upside down even today. We're invited to understand that true discipleship, right, the kind that le- leads to the most loving and joy-filled and giving and good and kind lives, this kind of discipleship is not grafting Jesus onto our lives, but grafting our lives Centering our lives in Jesus. Fruitful lives. Like I think quite often we think, well, if, if we just glue Jesus onto our lives, if we just make a little time for Jesus in our lives, um, then our, our lives will, will be what Jesus wants them to be. This image Jesus gives, it flips that over. Fruitful lives start everything, anchor everything in the love of Jesus. So what does that look like? Because we sit here today, you can say, okay, Pastor Brian, I, I hear you saying that, but, but what does it look like to root our lives in Jesus, to graft our lives onto Jesus? Well, here, here are three questions I think we can ask ourselves. Question number one, is my life anchored in prayer or do I pray when I want or need something? Is my life anchored in prayer? Do I start my day with prayer? Is, is prayer my go-to for, for anything, any decision that is happening in my life, grafting my life onto Jesus? Or do I, I just invite Jesus in? I, I try to graft Jesus onto the moments 
when I'm in trouble or I need support tonight and I pray? Question number two we can ask. Is the Bible a central part of my life or an occasional addition? Is God's Word at the core of, of who I am? Do I, do I study it? Do I spend time with it? Is my commitment to letting the Bible form and shape me something that is central to who I am? Or do I do an occasional Bible study to remember that it's, that it's out there? Rooted in Jesus versus grafting Jesus on to my life. And question number three. Do I first schedule time with Jesus and, and God's people, the body of Christ, and then add the rest? Or do I schedule my life and then try to fit Jesus and God's people into the openings if there are any? I had a supervisor in ministry, a mentor a few years ago, and he and his wife, we were at dinner with them, and we were talking about marriage and investment in, in marriage and, and family, and, and they were sharing a practice that, uh, that Cheryl and I have said multiple times we should replicate. I don't know that we've fully done it yet, but it's such a great practice that makes their marriage a priority. What happens, he's busy, he's in ministry. Um, for each month, a couple months in advance, his wife gets his calendar, uh, written calendars, they're not all high-tech yet, uh, takes his written calendar, and she, uh, she writes in time every week and some time together every month, and she puts it in his calendar of things they're going to do together, and those can be family things as well, but sometimes just for the two of them, but she gets the calendar first, and she puts all those things in there, and then they're untouchable for him, so then he schedules his ministry and other things around those things because what's, it makes his calendar, it focuses his calendar on what's most important, his marriage, his, his family, that love that they share. I think about that example when I think about my life or, or our lives. Like, do we, do we schedule time for Jesus, and time to be connected to, to God's people, to the, the church, and protect that time? Or do we just kind of add in church and God's people when it's convenient and, and when there's openings in our calendar? What does it look like for our lives to be rooted? What would it look like if we made God and church our main priority and then scheduled around those commitments. We're a tangled and, and messy lot of people. Our lives are often chaotic, but we're invited to, to own that and to graft ourselves on to Jesus and on to the church. Why? Because, because connection matters. Because while we often don't even know that we need them, it's the relationships that we have when we, when we gather like this to worship God. It's the, the relationships that we develop when we study the Bible together. It's the relationships we develop when we pray together. 
They're the lifeblood that connects us and, and anchors us in the love and the, and the goodness and the kindness that we seek. When we're tangled together, however messy those tangles are, we hold each other up and we keep each other anchored in the vine. Connection matters. Fred Craddock was an incredible preacher. If you ever have the chance to read something, read sermons that Fred Craddock wrote or uh, an opportunity to, to see a video of him preaching, uh, take that opportunity. Uh, a few times in sermons and, and a, a chance to hear him speak, I heard him share the, the story, a story of his dad. His, uh, his dad wasn't really a church guy. Uh, he, uh, he thought that the church was hypocritical and always asking for money and, and it, it was all about numbers and getting people to commit and he just he didn't want to be a part of that. Now, Fred's mom was and, and Fred became a preacher and his dad was supportive of him and, and loved him but just wouldn't have anything to do with the church. In fact, it was an evangelical um, upbringing and when evangelists would come to the community, the, the pastor would often, as he put it, sick him on his dad um, and his dad would have none of it. Fred shared that his dad later in life got really, really sick, uh, ended up end of days in the, in the VA hospital. Uh, his, uh, his throat, um, and I don't remember for sure, but I, it sounds like cancer. His, his, uh, he couldn't eat. Uh, he couldn't, got to the point where he couldn't speak anymore. The radiation had just essentially annihilated his, his throat. Fred flew in to see his dad, knowing it wouldn't be long. Fred says when he, when he got to his dad's room, he took a glance around the room and there were flowers everywhere, potted flowers, vase flowers, just flowers everywhere. And he said there was a stack of cards 20 inches thick sitting right next to his dad's bed. And on the, on the tray with his dad's drink was, a, was another flower. And, and as he looked at the cards and the notes, Fred said he realized that all of these flowers and all of these potted plants had come from friends from the church of his family. Fred picked up one of the cards to, to read it and said he noticed his dad was watching him. And then, since he couldn't speak, his, uh, his dad grabbed a Kleenex box and a pen and he began to write on it. He wrote, in this harsh world, Draw your breath in pain to tell my story. Fred then asked him, he's like, what's your story, Daddy? And his dad wrote back, I was wrong. Our connection to God and to God's people is the source of life. It matters. Let's pray. Lord of life, May we be tangled with a community of faith that holds us up. Lord, as painful as it may be, prune us to focus on the gifts that you have given us 
And Lord, may we always be rooted in the life-giving grace of Jesus Christ. Amen.